special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 127. I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined on the line once again by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing just fine. Very good, very good. Glad to hear it. Now, I always ask, what's the weather like down there in Texas this time of year? Because uh, you always make me jealous, because here in Canada, it's always cold and miserable. So what's the weather like down in Texas in uh, on, on dated on January the 10th, 2023? Like, it's been a mix, you know, and like, and, uh, like, today, and I think it got almost into the 80s. Are you for real? Yeah. What happened to winter? Well, like, like sometimes, like, down here in Texas, sometimes we skip it. <laughs> just like, nope, no winter for us. Like, okay, up here today, just to put it in, by contrast, folks, um, we woke up this morning, it was minus 10 <laughs> Celsius, which I'm not sure what that works out to quite in Fahrenheit. Um, Celsius... In, uh, which okay, works out to a balmy 14 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, it's tonight, oh, sorry, earlier today it reached uh, a high of minus 5 or 23 Fahrenheit. And then by, ten, by uh, it reaches its, its coldest point tonight, it's going to be minus 16 or 3.2 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's going to be a little chilly. Um, yeah. So yeah, just bundle up. Bundle up as we say here in Canada. Get your, your hat and your mitts and your warm warm coats out, and uh, you'll be okay. But um, it's a bit of a struggle. Um, my children don't like to wear their snow pants and run around outside in, in, in uh, warm duds, but um, yeah. keep having to tell them, go get dressed up. Now, the, the unfortunate thing right now, Lux, here, is we're waiting for snow to come back. Oh, we've got the cold weather right now, but we had a warm spell between... Uh, Christmas and New Year's, well, maybe just a little bit after New Year's, that melted all the snow. So we've got, you know, you've got some big snow banks left on the side of the road from where we had large, large snow banks deposited, but they're still, and, and they still linger, but they're definitely not like nice snow to play in anymore. Like they're hard and they're icy and crusty. Um, and my my lawn is essentially barren of snow. So like my kids can't go dig a snow fort or build a snowman or do anything like that. It's just like, it's unfriendly, it's unpleasant quantities of snow that you can't even use because now it's all iced over and kind of gross. So it's been an unpleasant weather um, stretch the last little while. So we're kind of either hoping for some like actual cold weather. So, and like we get some snow and winter can get on its business or like give us back March and let us have like the March to spring. Cause this is ridiculous. Cold and yeah, they. I honestly, between you and me, I hope I never see snow here ever again. <laughs> you see, that's that said like a man who's never seen much snow in his lifetime. I would invite you up here, my friend. Come, come to Canada. I'll show you no. snow, but I don't have any to show you today. So no, like after and after in twenty twenty one, like February. Yeah, like I don't think <laughs> I ever want to see snow again. So you want me to talk to you about what 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 my the conditions of the world were like when I had on the twenty third of, de- of December? They cancel things were bad so bad up here. They canceled school, dude. You know, like how frequently they cancel school. They don't. 
And it was like, they're like, no, 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 no. It's too bad for us even. We can't go outside. Stop. So they canceled school on the 23rd of December. So that Friday, which, which should have been one last school day, got, got ruined. And on Christmas Eve, I was trying to take my children into into the, into Ottawa to see my parents for Christmas for Christmas. It was snowing. The wind was blowing at 65 miles an hour across far, nothing but farm fields and you could see nothing. And yet like I'm like, yeah, we're going to go to Christmas. Like just get in the van, we'll just drive slow. <laughs> and like <laughs> like 65 mile an hour winds and 15 20 centimeters of snow, which I guess is like Seven inch, seven or eight inches of snow, and we're like, we all shrug our shoulders, like, yeah, well, it's Christmas, we gotta go, it's gotta, we gotta drive, and so um, I remember driving home on the twenty fourth, driving my children back to back home, and, and we're coming back at twilight, so the sun is set, and it's gloomy, and the wind is like must have been blowing harder, and the farmers' fields visibility was about three car lengths in front of my car, but. You know what? We just went slow and we got there in the end. But yeah, that is uh, the nature of how things yeah. go up here in Canada sometimes. You just go yeah, slow. Like, and that, like that one that one February, and they, we never get snow down here. And all of a sudden, Mother Nature decided that, hey, Texas, you could you could start looking a little bit more like Canada. <laughs> share, share, well, we, we're sharing some of our love. That's all we're doing. We're just sharing. Lux is like, no. I mean, they did. They, you remember those pictures coming out of downtown Dallas, like those large icicles hanging off of people's ceilings? Yes, I did. It looked pretty cool. You, 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 you don't agree. I appreciate, but I thought it was cool. Like, I'm just saying, like that is downtown Dallas. Yeah, yeah. I should show you like pictures of downtown Edmonton in the depth of winter when it's like 40 below and there's ice crystals hanging in the air. <laughs> so anyway, winter's winter is a very different experience for you and for uh, and for myself. Um but uh interesting stuff going on like um we got a whole lot of SEG cons and Magic Con. I'm pretty sure like Magic Con Philly's coming up in a couple of weeks in 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 uh Philadelphia and like SEG's got one in Indianapolis. There's a whole bunch of cool things going on. So, I mean, Magic's alive and kicking, so that's good news, right? Maybe people buy cards. Yeah. You yeah, know, they... I mean, yeah. Apparently, uh, apparently, not every product sucks, as uh, we've 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 discussed in the past. Um, there's been some lousy ones, but uh, lots of good ones. Lots of good to be had. Bro doesn't suck for sure. But yeah, lots of good to be had in the world of Magic. And uh, one last thing: How about them Cowboys? Playoffs start next week, I think. Cowboys didn't get a draw, did they? Draw by, I mean. NFC playoffs. Who do they get next week? Who do the Cowboys get next week? No, well, that's... Uh... Uh, I don't know who they're playing. Let's see. Uh, 
I'm looking through here. I see Buffalo, Cincinnati. Oh, you guys get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How funny would it be if old man Brady puts your team out? And honestly, if that happens, they, the Cowboys, they, they need to do some changing. I don't know. You got a pretty good team there, man. Like, no, I'm just saying that like, if they, they, if they somehow get shut down by Brady, <laughs> if old man Brady finds a way to win again, you mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be pretty wild. It'd be a pretty yeah. pretty wild game next. You guys got Monday too. It's got the Monday night game. Oh, yeah. nothing like doing. Yeah, speaking of Monday night games, like in, a, in a yesterday's game, like that was. Like, I don't even know what to make of that. Who who played last night? I don't even know. Like it was the college football championship oh. in like, TCU with Georgia. I heard that. that they, not, I heard that did not go well for TCU. And no, they it did not go well at all. Like they 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 scored a touchdown, they got an extra point, and then it's like they just left the field. Yeah, the rest of the rest of it's all, all the other team burying them. I heard that. I heard that part. Oh well. All right, let's move on with our show. All right, folks. Um, as always, if you like what you hear here on the Lotus Council, sorry, let me try that again. If you like what you hear here on the F Experiment podcast, you can find. All of our back episodes on thelotuscouncil.com. There we go. That's they got it right. You can find the podcast is posted there free of charge each and every week, so you can go check it out. Um, obviously, you can check it through all your favorite um, podcast services. But um, if you want to find it out and support uh, our good friends, the Lotus Council, you go and direct a little traffic to their website. It's really appreciated. Um, one of the nicest perks about the Lotus Council is their Discord, which is live and happening and. Lots of great people on there. Um, right now, they're set, they're organizing box breaks for Dominaria Remastered, which the box breaks will be broadcast live on Twitch, I believe, on January 20th. So if you're interested, and that's something that might interest you, you can check out their Twitch stream. Um, but yeah, there's lots of cool things going on on thelowestcouncil.com. The link to their Discord is included in our show notes, so you can go and click onto it and come and join in it for yourself and check it all out. So uh, come and join thelowestcouncil.com. Uh, and tell, tell them that Bruce and Lux sent you. They will treat you good, and uh, you won't regret your decision. All right? Um, tonight, we're going to have our show in uh, three segments. So Lux, we're going to have some garbage or great. Then we're going to have our segment two, which we're going to talk about some uh, some hot takes that people have uh, thrown out there I've seen in the last couple of weeks. And then segment three, we're going to have a deck this week. We're going to have a Lundo, uh, the Seer. Uh, as uh, this week's deck. So, are you all locked and loaded, my friend? Yes, I am. Okay, here we go. Tonight's Garbage or Great is a card out of the new Capenna Commander product called Turf War. Uh, so, four and a red, you get an enchantment. When Turf War enters the battlefield, for each player, put a contested counter on target land that player controls. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to a player, if that player controls one or more lands with contested counters on them, that creature's controller gains control of one of those lands of their choice and untaps it. Uh-huh. So, Lux, what do we think? I mean, honestly, they... this isn't something I'd ever use. <sighs> yes. Um... This is what high, I think this is highlight. Highlight's a really good point of like what sort of what 
makes up a bad card. All right? So I picked this card. I thought it was interesting, audience, because it has a very unique effect. All right? Uh, not is it, it is very unusual for us to have things where you're going to be allowed to take your opponent's lands from, from each other, which is kind of like a fun gimmicky thing to do. But let's, let's be very, very real about this card. This card is going to come down at five mana and is going to do stone nothing to your game. And this doesn't qualify as land destruction because you're not destroying the lands. You're just now playing musical chairs with them as you pass them around the, pass them around the board. Um, and, and you're also, because it's symmetrical, you're also impacted by it. So someone can come and steal your land. And so, like, this would be exactly the sort of card that I want nothing to do with. This would be the first thing I take out of whatever precon this was in and take it and put it away. This is not something that you want to do. So I look at this from a couple of standpoints. The first one of these is there's a there's quadrant theory. And it, quadrant theory asks you at what stage of the game do you want to play something? If you're, when you're setting up, when you're at parity, when you're behind, or when you're in the lead. So, and it's 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 applied typically to limited, but I think you can apply it in this instance here. So, in a game where you're setting up Lux, let's imagine you've ramped a little bit. You've got your turn one mountain into uh, turn two swamp, arcane signet, uh, and then you get get a, or it's or it's something else down. You can cast this on turn four, okay? Which is a, which is a little bit ahead of curve. Are you casting this, or are you casting any creature on the battlefield, like, in your hand that's going to impact the battlefield? Mm -hmm. You're not thinking about this. You're not casting this card. It's a, it doesn't actually help you set up, because this card wants you to have creatures on the board already. So unless you've curved out one drop, two drop, three drop, and turn four, you took off to take to play to play this. Like you're not digging this. Like I can imagine a world to go like forest into elvish mystic. You play a mountain, and then and you get a you get a signet out. This comes down, and you can swing with a mana dork and steal someone's land. But like, is that the plan? Like, is that is that a good plan? I'm not I'm not so sure it is because now you're vulnerable to them cracking back and stake t and taking a land right back from you. Like, I don't think it's a win. So, in the early stages of the game, you don't want to waste your time casting Turf War. Agreed? Nope. So, now let's move to you're at parity. So let's imagine now it's turn six, turn seven, everyone's got a couple of creatures on the board, nobody's really pulled ahead yet. Do you want to go for a go not do-nothing five-mana enchantment, or do you want to do something that's going to do be more impactful on the board? Like, really? Like, let's. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go look at uh, a top cards by type. We're gonna top enchantments, and I'm gonna see the the first five man enchantment that we can run, and ask you if you'd rather run a five, this five man enchantment or the or this the top one. So, if you could run, let's imagine you're running a Naya colored deck, Lux. 
and you could choose between a turf war or a Marari's wake, what are you what are you casting? And odds are I'm gonna choose Marari's wake. Okay, let's put you in Jund. What would you rather cast, turf war or Moldervine reclamation? <laughs> Moldervine reclamation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's keep going. Um, let's talk about. Um, you're now in a white-red deck. Do you want to cast this or Cathar's Crusade? Cathar's Crusade, okay. as always. Yeah, so I'm going to go to the bottom of the list and see if I can't find me a five-mana uh, enchantment that I want to cast. It's, like, way at the bottom of the pile. Like, I... I, I mean, and these are all, like... These are... Like, I don't think there's... I don't think we're going to find anything that, that you want to run... Like... There's so many cards you would rather run over this, so you're not casting this card at parity. Just, I mean, like, just to tell you like, how bad Turf War is, I would rather play Exploding Borders than that. Yes, yes. Ex exploding Borders is... Yes, Exploding Borders is, like, very similar. Yeah. So this is, like, yeah, you're not casting this at parity. You're not casting this if you're behind... And casting this in the lead is going to make everybody be annoyed with you because you're taking their lands. So, there's no good scenario where you cast this card. It's not a good card. You're not going to play it. It's poorly designed. Don't run it. So, folks, if you have this card sitting in a deck anywhere, pre-con or otherwise, go in, take it out. This is a heinous card. This might be as bad as we've, as we've ever reviewed on this podcast. There have been cards that have been uncommons or commons that are eminently more playable than this piece of garbage. There's my hot take tonight, Lux. Turf War is hot garbage. A complete dumpster fire. It is. Like, boom. Like, setting it on fire. My garbage can is now lit on fire with this piece of trash. All right. Settled. Dumpster fire for Turf War. All right. Buy Turf War. You are garbage. All right. Next. Let's move on to segment two. There? Yep. All right. I've said enough on, on, on this ugly Turf War. All right. Now, folks, I would love to talk about Phyrexia All Will Be One, but there have been a lot of leaks and not a lot of actual previews. And so we're not going to actually talk about the cards that have been leaked yep. because... <coughs> We both believe here on the show that if we're going to have cards that are being previewed, it should be previewed through the uh, the correct channels, not leaked um, because of whatever mistake or somebody's shady dealings away from stuff. I, in this case, I don't think it's shady, Lux. I don't know about how you're reading of it, but I don't view it quite as being shady. No. Yeah, like it's not really shady, but it's still scummy. And yeah, they it's, leaks. yeah, it's kind of, it kind of. Yeah, so they, I was gonna mention that I'm not gonna say in who they are, but I will mention that I have seen the completed planeswalkers. All of them. Oh wow! Okay, so keep it to yourself. I have not seen yeah. those, but anyway. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. oh, just to put put it in context, I I think I'm not sure if I was exactly co correct on it, but 59 of the 60 rares from the set have been leaked. And they've been mostly found in Dominaria Remaster packs that people were opening this past weekend. Which, when it's all rares, the way it sort of appears they all they all are, and uh, when they have been like it looks like 
a sheet or two of 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 uh, the rares have been mixed in and miscollated with Dominaria remastered packs, making this an honest to goodness oopsies by the company that Wizards has contracted to do and take care of their their printing. So unfortunate, but it sort of reinforces the fact we're not going to get into um, discussing those leaks and. We'll have to wait till they get officially previewed in in the upcoming couple of weeks because I believe the set comes out February tenth, right, Lux? I believe so. Yeah, so it won't be long now till the preview season is underway, and we're <laughs> inundated with Frexia all be one. So tonight, what I thought we would do, I went and scoured the internet. And I found a whole bunch ten hot takes that people have made about the Commander format or Magic in general, and I uh, thought it might be a g- good to get our opinion of some of these hot takes, whether they're hot, whether they're not really that hot, they're just kind of like lukewarm takes, um, and uh, take it from there. So, uh, are you ready, Lux? You got your, your hot take hat yep. on, all right? So, first, first hot take, and Pete sort of touched on this last week. Red has now become the worst color in Magic. Is that a hot take, or is that, you know, pretty pretty, uh, pretty conventional understanding at this point? What do you think, Lux? I mean, they, depending on your point of view, they, it could be a hot take. Okay, so let's, let's think about this objectively. It wasn't too long ago. Let's call it two years. Objectively speaking, the, the worst color in Magic was white. You both agree to that, right? Yep. And in the two years since, what has white had plenty of to try and allow them to catch up through this stuff? Well, one of the main things that it was lacking in recent years that it has started to get was card draw. So, okay, so white's got card draw. So they've been given, like, Tokasia's Welcome... Uh, welcoming vampire is another one. Uh, there, there's some card draw to those guys. Um, they, uh, uh, Archivist of Ogma is another one. So anytime anybody searches their library, they gain, they draw a card and gain a life. Which like, these are all like just good valued creatures you run in white decks. The so white has overcome the card draw mechanic. Um, what would you say about white's ability to? You know, catch up on land, which is a, it's another thing that it is that it started to get in the last couple of years. Okay. They've got you know, so they've got some very powerful uh, abilities to catch up. I would say like Kayla's uh, command, which comes out of um, Brothers War, is a great example of a, of White being now allowed to to ramp a little bit um, through. Now, it's not a lot, and it's not every card, but they're starting to get more and more instances where they have this ability to, uh, to, to, to make extra land drops and to catch up and, and stay, you know, even, if not take the lead, from many of the other colors. Um, there's never been an argument particularly about White's ability to play creatures. They've always had reasonably strong creatures, I would argue they've had more really good ones recently. Um, would you agree with that? Yep. Like they've had some really good 
strong creatures that get printed. Things like Esper Sentinel is a good one. Uh, you know, not too long ago the Adranath Magistrate, which is a which is a really tricky one to deal with. Um, there's like keep going through. I'm looking through top white cards. Like, where's some other good white cri- cri- white critters that are floating around? Uh, Keeper of the Accords, pretty good that they had not too long ago. Adeline is very strong. Um, Myrel is very good. There's lots of good creatures in white. It's really not an issue. So good creatures. Okay, I would say that sort of keeps them on par with red because red's had plenty of good creatures. Usually, is something red is good at. Um, the removal. Would you say white's removal package has remained strong and one of white's better assets? Yep. Okay. And I would argue that red hasn't had the same good removal, good generic removal over the last couple years. Unholy Heat is being like the, probably the best one, but there isn't really a preponderance of really good red removal that have been added to their suite of removal. Would you agree? Pretty much. Right? So there's a few. So red has largely stayed static. They don't really get to draw additional cards. They, their impulse draw they get has been okay. It's not been outstanding. They've adjusted it somewhat in many cases so that you get access it until the next turn and not yet by the end of this turn, meaning you can deploy it a little bit more strategically. But... Even so, would you rather draw cards or have impulse draw lux? And I'd rather just draw cards. Straight. So okay, so white's sort of caught up and probably passed red in terms of drawing cards. Uh, red has always struggled to make extra land drops, um, so much so that they had to put land draw like land tutoring on the new cough to go tutor a mountain, but. You know, so I'd say white sort of caught up in that regard, and we haven't seen like a good um, ritual effect in red in a while, right? Like when was the last time we had a good ritual yeah. effect? Well, it's been a while. It's mm-hmm. been a hot minute. So I would argue that red's been passed by in the mana production department by white as well, and. You know, creature quality is pretty good. Removal, I'd say I give a little bit of an edge to white. Um, you know, so I think in most categories, I would say that white has managed to make itself a little bit more of a of a player than red has in the last year, year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Because like, if you ask me, and like red, they it's like other colors, like their game plans and are always changing, but red. It's always the same, you know, like set people on fire and then punch them in the face. You know what? That's a good point. I think you're right. I think Red's primary strategies haven't really deviated very much. I think the one time they, they've taken Red in a new direction was when they took Lorehold and they made Lorehold into like a red-white reanimator strategy, um, which I think is probably the first time Red's got had a sort of a different artifacty focus than we have had in the past but you know by and large you're right the red strategies are still pretty much the same and when they started printing new cards for it they printed things like fiery emancipation which is not 
a new strategy. It's doubling down. No, nay, tripling down on something that Red already does well. Mm. So, yeah, I think, like, Red's had strong cards in a few instances, but I would argue, I think, it kind of been passed over by White, making them now the worst color in Magic. Well, I don't think that's particularly a hot take if you stop and look at it objectively. I know there are people out there who are red mages who are going to be really upset by people saying that right now, and certainly in Commander, that red is the weakest color. In fact, I'm going to bet... Yeah, because then, hey, they, and I'm a green mage, and in the last few years, I've been saying that, hey, yeah, they, it's time to start changing how green does things. Because like, you can't just keep going on through the game like, oh, like big stompy guys. Green. What green needs the more efficient ways or, diff- or different lines of attack if they're going to not just be derailed by the same forms of counter magic or removal that they've been derailed with for years, right? So I think you're right, too. Yeah, and like, and like I said, like, you can't always rely on just like pure mana ramp and big stompies. And like, you got to change things up. I think you're right. So... Yeah, I think it's time for Red to adapt. Uh, that's what I think. And we'll see if Wizards can make it so in 2023. All right, next hot take. Other formats are suffering because Commander has received so much focus. Now, that, that's an interesting thing because you work in a store. So you might see in person who's playing what. Who's coming into the store to jam Commander versus who's coming into the store to jam standard pioneer modern other stuff and 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 sort of be able to take a pulse on it that way so what do you think are the other formats suffering because commander has received so much focus and that people are so now zoned in on commander that they're forgetting the other formats more more and more and and honestly in no they like for Friday Night Magic, yeah, like the high, the most requested format has always been Commander because like it offers like more creativity. But for the most part, like casual games, I see people jamming Standard. Hey, like just the other day, I saw a couple of people jamming Vintage. Cool. Well, that's exciting to hear because I think sort of the prevailing thought in most of the community is that there has been such a push towards Commander products being so prominent. Right, and you and I have commented here on the show. Yeah. There are so many products being produced, and that so many of them are geared for the commander player that <coughs> we have essentially assumed that the other formats are being harmed by the existence of commander being the new dominant fashion to which in which to play the game. But if you're telling me anecdotally that in your neck of the woods. Lots of people, and the and there's lots of formats that are being played in, on a regular in a regular manner, like all over the place in your in in your store. Well, that's great news for the health of the game, I think, more than anything. And because if it's happening at your store, it's happening in lots of other stores. Would you agree? And honestly, I feel like it should be that way because you know, like Friday Night Magic, we do EDH, and like Sundays we held drafts. Late Thursday, we do our and and the weekly standard showdown. You have a weekly standard showdown. Wow, good for you guys. Yep. Well, obviously people, yeah, because you know they they people were sad to see it, like the official standard showdown like just be phased out. So we started our own. Well, good for you guys. 
Well, there we go. Take that there, internet clowns. Um, I, I don't think so. I don't think the format's suffering too, too badly because uh, other format, because Commander's gobbling up all this airspace. Lots of other formats are, are thriving. Um, I would yeah. also... Because yeah, oh, I was just going to mention that, you know me, they, they, I love draft. I love... Like, I basically love the sealed format as a whole. Like, it is really fun. Oh, and, and I think that's, uh, that's a huge applaud to you that you're prepared to branch out because lots of players don't. And they assume that they're, that they're, the whole world of magic revolves around the same thing that they want to play. And then, you know, obviously it's not actually how that works. I would also argue, as someone who has dabbled more than his fair share on uh, Arena into the world of, of standard. If you actually sit down and play standard, there are a lot, lot of very viable decks that are actually very powerful. Yep. That doesn't mean you're all going to win all your matches or folks, but there's a lot of very viable strategies ranging anything from like red deck wins to like mid range black to like control decks. Um, and yeah, there's a few cards that show up lots like children's everywhere and children's a problem. But that doesn't mean that the format's not good. The format's actually yeah, because I mean, they, back they, back during Guilds of Ravica, I had the Demir deck that I built, and they it got some pretty sweet victories, yeah. but it didn't always yeah. win. Well, there's some some really viable decks that are running around the format, meaning that even then, from the standpoint of like the format suffering, like they're not suffering from a lack of creativity. There's a lot of really interesting decks out there. I got beat yesterday by like Naya Tokens, like with Jen, Jenny Fay going wide on me. Um, I get beat by blue white soldiers. Like there's lots of there's lots of good decks out there. So from a creativity and archetype standpoint, I would argue that there's lots of that going on. And like let, forget what's going on in Pioneer and Modern, where there's lots of decks that are floating around. And people are a little bit turned off by Modern right now, but because of the fact that so many Modern Horizons two cards are so prominent, um, I know. Legacy and Vintage are annoyed by the initiative mechanic that appeared. Um, but just because other sort of, like, it doesn't mean that the creativity of these decks or these or these formats are struggling. There's just, they're trying to adapt to new tools and um, are, are not necessarily, haven't necessarily caught up yet. So, I don't... Yeah, like, speaking of, like speaking of modern, I don't think any of us will ever forget the summer of Hogak. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, that was kind of obscene when that deck would just go off and just bury people. So, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think as a result of Commander, other formats are suffering. I think um, there's a lot of recency bias where people are really focused in on Commander. And rightfully so. There's a lot of content creators that are out producing co commander content there's a lot of eyeballs on it making it seem like there's fewer people engaging in it and playing and sorry engaging in other diverse formats but i think when you actually stop to think about it and look at what people are talking about and doing when they go to play that it isn't the case and that commander is just one facet of a rather healthy community of people playing magic there all right. Yep. Hot take number three. Should we be talking about banning the new Elish Norn? Elish Norn, Mother of Machines. What do you think, Lux? I, I honestly, they, no, because they, 
we really need to see how it will actually play out yeah. the, once the set releases. Because who knows, there there may be some like wonky combo out there that could easily shut her down. I think you're absolutely right. I think I think we have to see Elish Norn in action in order for us to actively see whether whether or not Elish Norn should be banned or not. We have to see her in action. We have to yeah. see the proof of the pudding that she is oppressive. We can all sit here and theory craft that Elish Norn is um is is too good to for 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 the format and should be banned. But to preemptively ban something before we have any evidence, I think is seems like um not exactly a good look. Now the only other opportunity they've ever had to ban something preemptively was Lutri. But let's be honest, Lux. Lutri, I think, falls in a different category because it's a companion. And companions sort of fall in this like nebulous realm of stuff wizards probably shouldn't have messed with. Yeah, like the whole companion thing, like that was uh, like that was a bit wonky. Well, I just like, think I don't know what well, to say I, about well, it. I like, think it's a bad mechanic. I think it broke. I think it broke magic. Like, think about how many of them. Like it's like it's just like it's one of those things where you're just like. Okay, like you did this. They what is the reason why yeah, you did and like this? Lutri, like Lutri was created at a time when they were like they didn't really think of Lutri as a way to break commander. They thought it'd be a neat a neat way to get some sixty card deck to play singleton. Oh, you play singleton, you now you can put your you can play your Lutri. But they saw very quickly that Every commander player playing running is it would be like, well, <laughs> there we go. I get to run my my Lutri. So anyway, I think Elish Norn is very different. It it falls into an existing archetype, like an existing like it's a creature. It's not a legendary Hudzum was it or a or a Gizmo or anything. it's a it's a creature, meaning it can. It's because like remember they like, remember during in a Dominary United spoiler season, like we all saw the new Shieldred, and we all knew that hey, they this new Shieldred is going to be a major threat. Yep. But you didn't see anyone calling for her to be no. banned because it was quite obvious that they there was going to be the like, ways of dealing with well, her, and that's what I'm getting with. Like that's the kind of feel I'm getting with the new Elish yeah. Horn. There will be ways to yeah. deal with her. Now, like I, I still stand by what we said last week on the show, audience, that I don't think Elish Norn is particularly good for the format. And I do think that she's going to have the game degenerate into a mini-game <laughs> in terms of, like, who can remove Elish Norn, or can the Elish Norn player stick her and leave her on the battlefield? And if they can stick her and leave her, well, then we have a, then the, 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 team, the, the rest of the players in the pod have a serious problem. That doesn't mean that Elish Norn should get banned. Yeah. So, yeah, but like, if you ask me, they, they, what I'm thinking is the people wanting to see her be banned were, and they are veterans of the game. They they played back during New Phyrexia. They saw what New Phyrexia did to yeah. the game. Yeah. But like, I'm like, I'm telling you, people, I promise you, they, this will not be another New Phyrexia. Put it. 
Do I think Elgin should be banned? I agree with you. I don't think so. I think that's that's I think that's a hot take that's not really needed. Uh, it's going too far. All right, next. Group hug is boring to play. What do you think? I mean, honestly, they they this is a like group hugs not one of those in and the and the archetypes that I generally see most of the time. Okay, I can respect that. So, as someone who has seen enough group hug and has played a group hug deck, it's boring. Because what it does, it generates into a situation where everybody has such a preponderance of resources that is just haymaker after haymaker after haymaker, and it isn't fun. Because everybody's going to deploy 30 things and draw a million cards and play a million mana, and it's just, it's too much. So, um, it's, it's, it, and what often happens, and my experience sort of bear this, bears this out, is that a group hug deck often ends up just playing Kingmaker. Like, you deploy, like, you end up, like, tapping your resources into advancing everyone else's board state along with yours, and with the hope of perhaps capitalizing, but it's such an, like, the, the opportunity you get to actually capitalize is pretty slight, and chances are somebody else is going gonna, is gonna to slam the door shut and win the game before you get to. So, I do find Group Hug is boring, um, whether you're playing Feldegriff or Kanae and Tiros, like, I just, a it's not necessarily um, a deck that I think actually generates interesting gameplay. It's just resource accumulation um, for the table, and then one of the guys gets a chance to win. That's my thought. Yeah, yeah, because like for the most part, with me in my play group, we're of the mindset where like, why would you give your opponents any sort of advantage? Like, why would you give them anything? That you're supposed to be stomping them into the ground. Yeah, and so I guess in the the theory behind those decks is that um, by by giving more resources around the table, um, they're going to there's a political game that can get played there, but then there's you know eventually the the, the belief is that they're going to have enough resources, whatever that resource may be, bodies, land, cards, whatever that. They've been able to accumulate through a slight a series of slightly asymmetrical exchanges that benefit everybody, but significantly benefit them, that they're now going to have enough of an advantage to slam the door shut. Comes though that the other decks require less mana to slam the door shut or to negate all that has been gained by um, by the group hug deck. So kind of the opinion that like you're expending a lot of energy sort of spinning your wheels uh, when your opponents need a lot less resources to get there and close out the game so it ends up being you're like sort of sort of second rate and you end up losing my thought i like it so yes it's boring it's a boring way to play the game and unless there's a new fun uh commander that's going to be leading itself to group hug then you probably shouldn't play it. That is my hot take there. <laughs> All right, next. 
Should life gain get capped? No. No, no it should okay. not. Why not? And two words. Aetherflux Reservoir. Okay. So that's a fair point. So Aetherflux Reservoir is a thing. And somebody can dome you for 50. But thoughts. Thought, thought here. What happens to somebody who plays a dedicated life gain deck? It often results in the, in the game being drawn out extensively. So I'll give you a, give you a great example. There was a Sunspeaker and... Oh, what's the name of that deck? Or Sun Sunspeaker and Red White, like Oh, Sunspeaker. Oh goodness. Who who's the Oh Yeah, I gotta find it. I'm gonna find this card. It is a Boros Commander and where is this card? Fire Song and Sunspeaker. I saw this deck go. So Fire, Fire Song and Sunspeaker, it says red instant sorcery spells you control have lifelink. So the guy Blasphemous Act. Casts Blasphemous Act on a board full of creatures and ends up with 270 life points. Now, he's a Boros deck. He's going to lose. But you know what we have to do to a guy with 270 life points? Turn after turn, we just have to smash him until he's dead. That takes time. And that drags your game out. So instead of it being an hour and an hour 20 or an hour and a half, now it's an hour 50 or two hours or 210. And you're just spending more time. So, like, I could see a world where capping someone's life gain at, let's call it 100 life points. Is not a bad thing, personally. But you're of the opinion, no, huh? That's okay. Because you know, they, they if you think and then the people getting life is such a problem, they there are ways of getting around sure. that, and they they one of uh, the one of them i can think at the top of my head is in like in Nebraska the unseen that her in and in the bolt yeah then, well i would also say that's why commander damage exists cuz commander damage can totally negate um any life gain strategy too right it's like 21 points and done so yep. um cuz i mean they cuz it doesn't matter they cuz and then they river and i had that life gain deck and they, I got to almost a thousand life, and you know how I lost. I lost. They, I lost track of how much commander damage I had and on me. Sure enough, he stuck you with just enough to get you dead. There we go. Yep. So, yep. All right. Life, life damage should life should life should not get capped. Fair enough. Okay. Um, is it that good cards get you hated out of the game? And if not, what does get you hated out of the game? So if you have a deck with Dockside Extortionists and, uh, you know, the top performing cards in the format, does that get you hated out of the game? And, like, in my experience, like, not exactly. Like, it's more of the, like, kill on sight or, like, briefy in the cards 
that will get you okay, handed so out of the game. Okay, so what be an example of a griefy like, card? Like, give your, give our audience an example of a griefy card that if you see somebody play it at your pod, you're saying, dude, we got to deal with that. I mean, like, you already know which card I'm thinking of. Like, it's one that well, I've mentioned I, before. Keep going back to Hops. Yeah. And let, let me tell you, they, I, I used to play that card so many times where they... If people found out that I was playing my Samet deck, they would just immediately all get from me, like, not even give me a chance. And, like, it didn't matter if I had it in my deck or not. Like, they did not want to give me a chance. So cards like that that people hate playing against get you hated out of the game because they're cheap garbage. No one wants to play that. Yeah, because, like, literally, like, they, what, they, literally, they, imagine they, you're, they turn and and they turn seven, turn eight. And someone plays Jockalops, like you're basically back at yeah, turn yeah, one yeah, again. No, for sure, it's definitely um, a pretty lousy feeling. So, all right, I can live. Uh, I can live with that. What be an example of like a like something that's sort of like on a on a kill on sight thing that you would see that if someone were to stick it, you'd be like, no, 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 that person's got to go. Well, they of course they there's the two shieldreds, but nothing. I think there are even better examples than yeah, her. Yeah, no, I would agree. I'm trying to think of like looking around at like sort of the, what are the top cards? If you what would you what jumps off the table to me as being something that you need to deal with like and hate this person out of the game? Like like some of the top performing creatures are like Blood Artists and Zulaport Cutthroat, but I don't think either of those are necessarily cards that need to get need to get you hated out of the game. They need to just be removed um but what would be something that gets you like what about a bolus of citadel if someone sticks a bolus of citadel is that sort of a, car, a level of threat that you're like holy moly we have to deal with this or this is going to go off hey they i'm gonna be real with you they bolus of citadel wasn't really they that much of a threat they, okay. in my play group like, what is the threat? Like, what would get someone hated out? Like, we're talking, like, new gin? Like, like gin Jutaxius? Or, like, old gin? Or, like, eats your hand? Turgrid? Tur- I think Turgrid might do it. Uh, yeah, they, they... Her name was at the tip of my tongue, but, yeah, they Turgrid, they got a fright. Yeah. Let me tell you, they she was something else. And they back during Caldheim standard, they people they they did not want to see okay. her hit the Do field. Do you think Omnath Locus of Creation has reached that point too? I mean, how would I know? Well, we got Omnath banned. Omnath Locus of Creation has been banned as a commander. No, oh, and they hasn't. And they. So if you sat someone that someone sat down across you with Omnath Locus 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 of Creation, what you, what's your thought? Are you going uh oh, or are you saying meh? It'll be okay. I'm of the opinion that no, they yeah they it's like a little scary, but it's not gonna leave me they peeing okay. myself and like okay. I'm gonna be able to deal uh, with Corvold. it. And yeah, they, that's a card that might they invoke in a, some fear, but and they 
I'm thinking that they a good creature that they will get you hit of the game because of like mm-hmm. what they do is they take like Avicen well, Angel yeah. of Hope and they basically and they It's like one of the things that people are looking in and uh, for is to be able to take out their opponent's defenses. Right. And if Avicen hits the field, they oh, whoever yeah. controls her, they you're not gonna oh, be able to take out their defenses then. Um that's fair. Uh, okay, let's ask you another one. Like, what about um, when someone played a Smothering Tithe? If... And I, that's, uh, they, it's not something that would get you hit out of the game, but it will be a okay, headache, though. Fair enough. Well, I think no, they, they, what I'm talking about is they, think and they, throw. Okay, things like that. Right. Okay. I, I'm personally of the opinion that, like, um, like there are a select number of cards that if I see them, I need to answer them, like, really quick. And I know that. And if I don't, I'm, we are probably going to die. Um, what... Oh, and I, I remember they, there is one that in, I myself used that was not Jungle Hops. They, it's from a recent set, and let me tell you, they, the second that I played it, they... It was Everybody that? wanted to be dead. Like, Questing Rest- Beast. Really? Yeah, they... They... Odds are, they... I don't... They don't ask them the reason why, but they... I played that card, and suddenly I found myself in everybody's crosshairs. That's very strange, because I don't think Questing Beast is particularly... Good. Like, I don't even think Questing Beast would appear in the top... 100 creatures. In the top 50 creatures, does Questing Beast appear? Checking, checking, going once, going twice. No, it doesn't even appear as one of the top 50 creatures in green. Huh, that's a weird experience. Okay, interesting though. But yes, you are essentially of the opinion that um, it's, it's good cards don't necessarily get you hated out of the game. Um, it's something that, where the threat level needs to be higher than that. Okay. Um, is there too much Magic the Gathering content, Lux? I, like, you can never have too much content. I think you're right. There's too, never such a thing as too much of a good thing. Um, I will say... I think the preponderance of, of, of content makes it difficult for, for the audience to find what they want to find all the time. Um, they can find some of what they want, but they never find exactly what they want um, because there's so much of it out there. So, but... I mean, they, 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 my opinion, they, it's not... They, the problem isn't that there's too much content. It's that it's not being properly fair categorized. Okay, fair enough. And because that's all personal and, like individual people doing it themselves, it's a little bit tricky to, to standardize the uh, the process. So, but yes, okay. I like it. I like that point. I like that point. Um, next, reserve list. Should it be banned in Commander? Huh. That's an interesting piece. That's an interesting thought, right? So, like, imagine all, all the dual lands yeah. 
imagine like like Lion's Eye Diamond or like all these like crazy old cards that are super powerful and broken yet banned. But we're also going to ban um, a whole bunch of like pretty much terrible cards. So do we need to ban them? Like the reserves list itself, no. But there's a certain section that, yeah, they it probably should be banned because of how they they freakishly yeah. insane they are. So, like, let's go with for an example, like things like, like we all agree the mocks are already banned. Those are probably banned for good cause. Um, you know, yeah. uh, Black Lotus as well too. Demonic Attorney is banned because it it's it it talks about anti, which is not a thing. Um, you know, Wheel of Fortune, though, is not banned. It's really, it's a really, really good card. People love to play it. And is, is Ancestral yes. Recall banned in Commander? So, of the Power 9, 8 of the Power 9 cards are banned. The one that isn't is Time Twister. Um, I'm not sure, quite sure why. I guess they figured at 3 mana it's safe enough and because it's symmetrical, but, um... Yeah, but like you're gonna ban some stuff. Like you're gonna ban some pretty bad cards from some of these some of these sets. Like, like get this: if you're banning all reserveless cards, you're gonna ban um, Draconian Silex, which is two and a tap. Discard a random card from your hand to regenerate a target creature. Like, does that sound like bannable? Like, <laughs> no. That just seems like yeah. no. They they. That's just a hard garbage card. Like yeah, it doesn't exactly. deserve to be. What banned. about um, like what about an ice age card like um, alter a bone, one and a green, which doesn't make any sense. Sorry, a white and a green. Sacrifice a creature to look through your library for a creature card. Put that card into your hand after showing it to all the players. Shuffle your library like sorcery speed, like creature tutoring. Seems pretty. Like, it's literally just the soul stone, yeah. like a soul for a soul. Okay. Um, like, how about Winter's Chill? We're banning Winter's Chill? I can't even read the text on that. Never mind, I'm not reading Winter's Chill. Thing from, like, no. So I think, I, I think I'm with you here. Like, some of the really expensive stuff should get banned. Um, or, like, it's or stay banned. Um, essentially, the only thing we're really worried about is the dual lands. Essentially. Those are fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they the um they the revised dual lands. Yeah, like I don't want to see those get banned because like they're useful. They they're not game breaking. Yeah. They're not insane. No, they're useful. So they're useful. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I agree with you on that one. Um, here's one that's interesting. Do you think every deck needs to have ramp in it, or do you think some some decks can get away without the ramp? I mean, honestly, yes, like some decks could get away with it, but for the most part, like if you want to have a in good board state, you're so, gonna need the ramp. Especially if you have like especially if you have a high cost uh, yeah. in the cards. So here's what I think. I think you need ramp in commander. I think uh we have seen time and time again that people who can cast more high value <laughs> spells and utilize more mana are more likely to win. And so consequently, um, you, if you're going to, you know, play and win, you probably need to spend, you need to outspend 
your opponents in terms of how much mana you can deploy. The only way to do that. Yeah, because they, yeah, because they think of it this way. You know, they you have they every single land that's in your deck is out on the field, and they some of which are in the graveyard because oh, you're yeah. gonna go up against mass land destruction, and yet you have the cards that are have a higher cost than the yeah. amount of lands that you it's have gone. available. You're going to need some other way of being able to fill your mana pool. So I'm pretty sure. The, like you, every deck is going to need ramp. The only situation I can create, I can like even conceptualize of a commander deck not needing a lot of ramp is if you're playing a hyper aggressive deck. That I don't know why you would build such a thing for commander, but if you're sort of curve tops at three, and you're playing something that's that low to the ground, doing that. I don't know what the payoff ultimately is, other than you get to put deploy your whole hand using you know a few so a few land cards. But um, the idea being that if you can, I guess, rush your opponents so so quickly that they're not going to be able to to, to resist. So I don't think it, that's really a deck that exists. I don't think it's something that you really want to be building, and so consequently, ninety nine point nine percent of decks are going to want to have ramp. And anyone who says otherwise, I think, is mistaken. All right, last one. Should there be no bans in Commander? Should everything be legal and on the table, Lux? Just go ham. And honestly, no, because like, there are going to be cards that will break the game. And the odds are like, they're going to be the ones that people don't yep, ever want to see at all. hundred percent. There's going to be stuff that breaks the game no one wants to deal with. You are absolutely correct. And anyone who says otherwise, like, like, look, you can go play your fancy no-ban commander and see how much fun you have when, like... You can see the people, the people they need to understand is that, hey, they, the cards that usually get banned or restricted... They've gone through a lot of playtesting, and the ones deciding kind of the ban list have decided that this card has no place in the format. <laughs> like, I, I, I tend to think that, generally speaking, particularly now more than ever, that the rules committee has gone to great lengths to vet any card that they're going to ban, because they know anytime they ban a card, it's good. it means that some number of players will have invest, invested their money in buying this card, and it's likely going to be expensive, right? And so, they, they, they take it into, great, into very serious consideration. If we ban this card, how many people are going to be out? 20 30 40 $100, $150, whatever. And so, you know, it's, it, is, it, is, it is real. Like, and so, yeah. I think that you have done a pretty good job of, of monitoring yeah. the ban list recently. <clears throat> there hasn't been a lot of talk of a lot of bans. I mean, there's whispers about Dranith Magistrate. There's whispers about, you know, a few other cards. But... Like, really, are those cards that are, like, insurmountable in the format? No, I think letting them, those run around right now is fine. Um, but if you let everyone play, you know, Black Lotus and Moxon, like, I think the format would not be fun anymore. People would be like, uh-oh, I feel bad. Just 
some hot takes, everybody, and, and what we sort of thought of them. All right. Anything else you want to add there on any of those, those hot takes, Lux, or you think you, we've said our piece? I was just going to mention, like, with the EDH band list, and, like, like Emeril Cole, the Aeon's Torn, mm-hmm. there's a reason she mm-hmm. got banned. Because she can get cheated out real fast. Real fast. Yeah, like, Emeril Cole, and, like, there's Golos and Grizzlebrand, Hole Breacher, Iona Shield of Emeria, Leavold, yeah, like, Emissary of Trust. Leavold is one that, like, feels bad. Grizzlebrand makes sense to me, too. Like, that's, like, these are just mean cards. Mean, mean cards. Okay, this week's deck, segment three. Are you ready, Lux? So this week's deck, folks, yep. we brew, I brewed up an Alundo deck. Alundo the Seer. So Alundo was a commander out of... Um, out of... Uh, commander Legends Baldur's Gate. And so let's have a read for this guy. Two green blue for a 3-5 legendary creature human shaman. Tap. Draw a card, then exile a card from your hand and put a number of time counters on it equal to its mana value. It gains when the last time counter is removed from this card. If it is exiled, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. If you cast a creature spell this way, it gains haste until end of turn. Then remove a time counter from each other card you own in exile. And I'm going to be honest, Lex, this card has been sitting in a box of mine for a while, and I really didn't think much of it until I saw somebody play it up against me at Brawl, in a Brawl game. And I was really, really impressed, and I was inspired to go and put it together myself. So the key interaction here, folks, is you want to untap and tap Alundo multiple times in the same turn in order to maximize the ability of putting cards into exile and removing their time counters. And so you're looking, so the whole premise of the deck is you're looking for ways to untap a Lundo. So I sort of describe this as being like a, um, a package of cards that creatures that you use to untap or tap things. In this case, untap them. So things that include Pestermite, Bounding Crisis, Breaching Hippocamp, Corridor Monitor, all these cards are going to allow you to tap and untap a Lundo to then draw cards, put them in the exile, and hopefully start firing off a whole slew of spells um, if they were cheap enough to leverage that to greater advantage to win the game. That's the key interaction that you're looking to do. Um, and so, as I mentioned, like those key points, there's a whole lot of key creatures that have really interesting untap something effects that um, I describe as being similar to what Vanifar would have been looking to play when you were playing Vanifar pod decks. Um, so you 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 would cast Corridor Monitor to untap Vanifar, uh, tap Vanifar to sack Corridor Monitor to go get Bounding Crisis, Bounding Crisis untaps Vanifar, tap it again to go get a 4-drop, which is Breaching Hippocamp, and you'd go up the ladder this way. Well, um, Alundo sort of plays in the same sort of style. We're looking to tap and untap your creature, um, but not always necessarily for the the pod style effect. All right? So that's sort of the key interaction you're looking for. My creation of this deck, I really said there's, like, trying to keep in mind our budget audience, there was a couple of really key pieces I thought we needed to try and really nail down so that we could play them and 
use it to be the best effect possible. So the first one was Staff of Domination. So this is the sort of deck that you, you really need something like a Staff of Domination to really focus the ability to tap and untap stuff. And, uh, you know, if you can get a Staff of Domination into a mode where you can um, untap target creature without then have enough to untap the Staff of Domination to repeat it, and sort of with an infinite mana combo, you can do a lot of really powerful things, including cast everything in your deck with a Lundo, and they would all have all the creatures would have haste, so you could potentially win the game. I don't think I put an infinite combo for mana in the deck, but even so, just having a large quantity of mana that you can put through your Staff of Domination is pretty good. Um, um, obviously, I am a big fan of Seaborn Muse, because Seaborn Muse is, again, a higher-priced item, but you can tap each of your all your stuff at your end step, sorry, at the uh, at their upkeep, meaning you get lots of untapped triggers around the table as a Lundo as you work your way around the table. Um, and then I really thought the last one was Gal Galvanic Alchemist, which is a card from, um, from Avacyn Restore with Soul Bond. But it says, as long as Galvanic Alchemist is paired with another creature, which in this case is you're going to clearly going to like pair it up with Alundo. Um, but the, where did it go? Uh, Galvanic Alchemist says, uh, two and a blue, untap this creature. So you can use it to untap Alundo repeatedly if you have enough mana. So that's sort of like the the sort of the high higher impact sort of maybe some of the more expensive cards on the higher end um, that are going to really get your deck going the, like a really strong way. Um, there is some weird inclusions that I had in this deck that I thought was kind of one of the kind of interesting. Um, one of them in particular was Trickster Mage, which is an old card from. Oh, geez, I don't even know what set this is from. This is... Oh, Nemesis, I think? Um, so, Trickster Mage is one blue for a 1-1. One, one. Uh, creature Spell Shaper. One... Sorry, it's a single blue. Tap. Discard a card from your hand. Tap or untap target artifact, creature, or land. I sort of found this one in a box that I read to myself. I'm like, this allows me to untap a Lundo. And since you're already going to be drawing with a Lundo, it's going to be largely card neutral. And so I don't really mind pitching something with Trickster Mage if I'm going to get to use my ability on my commander. So it's kind of a neat card. Um, at a... What is a Trickster Mage costing you? At a mere 25 cents. Um, it's, uh, you know, pretty, pretty affordable. Um, is pretty in keeping with, you know, the cost of your deck. And does, is not going to, you know, break the budget by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there are some new cards I want to try out in this one, Lux, that I think are going to be kind of interesting. That I think people probably should, um, be looking at more seriously. Because I think they might provide some really interesting, um, interesting cards. So, for instance, the first one is the Temporal Anchor. Which is, uh, an artifact from Brothers War. I believe it's Brothers War. Uh, yeah. So... Three blue, 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 blue. Six tall together. For legendary artifact. At the beginning of your upkeep, scry two. Whenever you choose to put one or more cards on the bottom of your library while scrying, exile that many cards from the bottom of your library. 
During your turn, you may play cards exiled with the Temporal Anchor. I think this card is just really interesting. I don't know how good it is, um, but I think it's going to allow you more access to more cards um, that ne aren't necessarily going to be able to be discarded or force you to pitch at any point. So I think it's worth, uh, worth exploring it in this deck. Um, it costs a mere 35 cents as well, so it's probably worth um, giving it a run and seeing how it goes. I think it's got some potential. Um, then Tachiova, Steward of the Tides, which is the new Tachiova from Dominary United, um, I think is also worth um, a gander. Um, I know everyone loves uh, five-mana Tachiova because she's pretty awesome. Um, but this three-mana Tachiova is pretty cool in that it makes an army of flying lands, which um, I'm not going to lie, that's kind of big game. If you're making 3-3 three, three flying things for essentially free, thanks to your Tachiova, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good value. Would you agree, Lux? So it's not necessarily playing yep. into the any synergy with the cards, but I think the mechanic or the, the actual card itself is suitably strong enough that it's worth our while to check it out. Um, and then the last one that I think people should probably be taking uh, taking stock of is Micromancer. So Micromancer is a little card from um, Dominary United. So three and a blue for a 3-3 three, three, Human Wizard. When, when Micromancer enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an instant or sorcery card with mana value 1. Reveal it, and put it into your hand, and shuffle. So I think this sort of tutor effect is actually really interesting in, in the current game of Magic because there's a lot of one mana protect your thing that is, is offered through this sort of effect. So, um, offer you can't refuse, Tamiyo's safekeeping, Shore up, Lauren's escape, um, there's, there's a whole lot more too. And so you can use this Micromancer's ability to go and find um, a lot of different useful answers. So I'm looking at this deck alone. It runs, runs an offer you can't refuse, natural state, Rapid Hybridization, Shore Up, Triton Tactics, and Tamiyo's Safekeeping. So you have six legal targets that this can go and find and put right in your hand as a form of interaction for later. So, and I think you can, as we get more and more good one mana effects, you can alternate and put more in um, and take out some of these other cards and put, you know, better you know, counters or better stuff in. So, um, now the one thing I do know about this deck there, Lux, is that, um, there's only a mere two sorceries in it, which means the rest of this deck is pretty much designed to be interactive and is, um, you know, looking to leave a snowball their, your commander into doing th things and controlling that untap and tap ability to, uh, great effect. So I think it leads into a discussion around greater interactive capacity of your deck and fewer uh, effect moments where you just you're just playing at sorcery speed. Um, and I think Alundo like allows you to play what would typically be things deemed to be at, cus at, at sorcery speed, like creatures predominantly, but play those at instant speed as, as you tap it on tap your commander 
at various stages in your turn cycles. Um, meaning that you're going to get some interesting, some interesting occurrences and be surprisingly responsive to what your opponents are doing. There are going to be times, too, where you're, it doesn't match up, but I think generally on the whole, it's kind of an interesting way of approaching things. Um, and altogether, the budget comes to 150 bucks. So, um, really quite affordable. Um, again, there's still lots of room for you to customize this deck. Don't think for a second this deck is a finished product, but it would definitely get provide you with a jumping-off point to build this sort of tap-on-tap tap sort of style deck um, and use it to great effect. So, thoughts, Lux, on uh, Alundo? I mean, they, yeah, they remember that like, we were talking about doing the, the certain colors, they go deviating yes. from their usual path. Like, I think this is really good yeah, for like, Simic. Yeah, I think it's, it, it takes Simic in a slightly different direction. It's not green-blue ramp, not green blue tokens, which we had with uh, the uh, the Kanuka Pena stuff. No, Strixhaven stuff. Um, it's yeah, it's kind of a different take on what to do with blue green, um, and I I think it was kind of refreshing to do this. Now you can like lean back into the age old solution of I'm going to tap and untap my Alundo so many times that I can vomit my big fat thing in faster than anybody can answer it. But you don't have to. You can sort of take it in a, in a in a faster, leaner sort of way and cast things much more quickly, um, which I think is pretty pretty neat. Anyway, if you want to check it out, their audience links in the show notes. You can go check it out. Uh, also, let us know if you like the different way of doing this. Where instead of going through card by card, um, I tried to try and hit on a few of the higher highlights. Um, some of the new things I want to try out, some of the new cards that I think have got applicable um, applicable interactions that I think are going to benefit the deck. And seeing ultimately if we can't take this deck and uh, make it take it in a direction that is going to be interesting and unique and make it all your own. So let us know if you like that um, by leaving a comment um, or sending me an email or leaving us finding us on Twitter or wherever. All right. So, Lux, is there anything else you want to throw out here while we're uh, where we still got some time, or do you think we should wrap up tonight's show? Okay, and let's move to wrap up of. tonight's show. Well, thanks very much, everybody, for stopping in and spending time with us this week. Really appreciate it. Uh, it was great to to get the the the, the crew back together and have Lux and I get a, get a, get a show done. Um, it's hard to believe we're at one twenty seven and we're marching on to one thirty here. Um, so it's, 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 it's been, it's been a pleasure every time. Um, if you like what you heard and you want to leave us some feedback, you can all, we love to get emails. You can always email us at the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can always hit us up on Twitter as well at, at Epic EXP Cast. Both of those are available in our show notes and you can see them for yourselves and follow us on those platforms. Um, if you want to check out the Alundo deck or any other deck that we have, uh, we've so we've had on the show. You're welcome to find them at boxfield.com. Uh, please go check out the Epic Experiment podcast. That's our username, and you can find all the show, all the decks from every show that we've ever, we've ever had. Um, also, uh, if you are listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please leave, leave a question, leave a comment, like, 
follow, subscribe, or just generally uh, interact with us just to, uh, you know, help get the word out there a little bit more that we're here talking commander for you guys each and every week. Uh, we'd love to hear from all you guys. We really, really would. Uh, next week, we're going to be, we'll see where we get to. Maybe there's some, uh, some actual previews from uh, Phyrexia All Will Be One, um, but we'll see what happens in the world of magic. Uh, until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off, wishing you all the best wherever you next play magic. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. Have a good one. Talk to you.